At Kelly Companies, it is no secret that they believe in the power of people. In an effort to help their Keelians get to know each other a little bit better, they decided to launch the Who Do You Know campaign. The goal was simple. Keelians were encouraged to have a conversation with someone outside of their circle. That's it. These conversations, however, have brought people together and farthered their world-class culture. Shout out to the Keelians who have made an effort to have meaningful conversations with new friends. You can learn more about those conversations, about those amazing friends, by visiting them online at KeelyCompanies.com. Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. Some of you may recognize today's guest from season 11 of American Idol. His name is Colton Dixon. And Colton turns personal stories and experiences into universal anthems. You're going to love it. As a recent GMA Dove Award nominee for Song of the Year with his massive multi-format number one hit, Build a Boat. Colton shares during this episode his journey of faith, his upbringing, his family, his experience of falling in love, of staying in love, and ultimately discovering his true calling in life. By the way, it was only unlocked and discovered because he kept saying yes to possibility, kept showing up, kept saying yes to life. And for those of you who stick around for the very end, you're going to be in for a treat because Colton will help us get into the holiday spirit with his original track, Home for Christmas, bringing a modern, whimsical feel to the meaning of being home for the Christmas season. So many reasons to pay attention during this episode. But ultimately, my friends, join me during this episode in celebrating this life-giving man who will leave you inspired, filled with hope, and completely certain that in spite of the struggles we face, that the best is yet to come. So without further ado, let me bring him onto stage with me. His name is Colton Dixon. Colton, welcome to Live Inspired with John O'Leary. Come on. Thanks for having me so much, John. Really appreciate it. So right away, I see some of our listeners and viewers like sitting even closer to their car. They're leaning in. They're, they're turning the Walkman up even louder because they're fired up with your name and your reputation. But some of our listeners and some of our viewers may not. So the first question to you is if you and I were to bump into each other at a grocery store and I introduce myself and you introduce yourself and I say, Colton, hmm, tell me about you. How would you answer that? Oh man. Brief synopsis is I'm a husband. I'm a dad to two beautiful twin girls. I do music for a living. Um, so I get to write songs and play songs for people. And and then I, I also grew up in church. So I'm a believer as well. So that's the quickest synopsis that I could possibly give about myself. The cool thing about a quick synopsis like that is almost always it lends us to say, man, tell me more about that. And yeah. so we're going to be asking you that a whole lot during our conversation today. Tell me more about that. Why don't we begin at the beginning? It seems like a pretty good place to start. So yeah, let's, let's back up away from, you know, the, the big stage that you find yourself on today, away from the diapers that you may have been changing this morning, <laughs> away from marriage and things that are keeping you busy today, all yeah. the way back to childhood. I understand you had two awesome parents. I think it's something you and I share str- strong yes. and also where we learned that from our parents. Yeah. Let's start with your mom first. T- tell me about your mom. Yeah, my mom is just a sweetheart. She's a two for all of you Enneagram people out there. So she's a helper. She's always giving to make sure that that we had it better off than she did growing up. And yeah, she's just the best. She can be aggressive and a go-getter when she needs to, but she also has this really sweet, gentle spirit as well. It was just a fun house that we grew up in. I've got a younger sister as well, and we just had a great time growing up. Time was was valued above everything else with my parents, and that really left an impression on my sister and I. And you grew up in Murfreesboro? 
I did. Yeah. Good. The borough <laughs> right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. J- just South, right? Yeah, that's right. So that's your mom. We might talk a little bit yeah. more about her as we dance sure. forward. What about your father? Again, my dad, it was all about time. Both of my parents are entrepreneurs, but before they really started diving into their own businesses, uh, my dad worked for the post office and did until he retired. So that required a lot of time from him. But as soon as he got home, you would never know if he was tired. You'd never know if he had a rough day at work. He always gave us 100% of himself. And looking back, that's something that I want to do mm. and want to be for my own kids. Even yesterday, I we're, we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma with my wife's parents right now. Got in from the road yesterday and found myself feeling tired and feeling whatever. And, and of course, my girls are just, it's go time. Dad's here, you know? And it made me think back on that with my own dad, whether he was coaching baseball. I loved baseball growing up and he was always there, always made it a point to be there. And that's what I appreciate most. You mentioned it when I asked about your mom. So now we'll let you go from whispering to roaring. You also said, man, and I had a younger sister. So talk about Skylar for a moment. It seems like she wasn't just a typical younger sister. She was one of your best friends. Yeah, we were a really tight family and we still are, even though life has taken us in a million different directions. My sister was for a while, just my little shadow. She wanted to do everything that I did. And and I think that's pretty typical of a younger sibling. What's crazy is honestly, she's more talented than I am in the singing department. She's got a crazy voice and still dabbles in music from time to time. So I'm excited to see what she does. But growing up was, it was so much fun having her there she would more often than not give way to what I wanted to do, which looking back on, I go, hmm, maybe that was the best. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed our, our family unit. We did so much together and had a blast. We really did. So man, almost half of adult siblings have no relationship with their siblings. Mm. You grew up close. She was your shadow. Sometimes yeah. you were her shadow. Sometimes you yeah. shine. Sometimes she did. And that's yeah. still the case. You, you have a deep, dear friendship with your younger sister today, 32 yep. years or so into that, that life together. What do you think your parents did that helped spark that when you guys were kids? Because a lot of our listeners and viewers are young parents or they're young yeah. grandparents. And they want to make sure that that kind of friendship you have with Skylar is something that they are now instilling with their little ones or their grandchildren. Man, that's honestly a great question. Just a couple things that come to mind. One was like the time that they invested. They showed us that that was a priority. So that impression upon us just to go, okay, whenever we're with someone, we need to be intentional there with them. We need to be present. We need to give them ourselves. But two, something that my parents did that worked out for the most part, I I would say, is uh, besides a couple areas, they, they trusted us to make our own decisions once we grew up in certain areas and proved ourselves worthy of being trustworthy. Um, they kind of slacked off the reins a little bit. And that, that to me was really cool. I didn't feel like I was being governed by my parents every step of the way. So in relation to my sister, we were able to go outside and play without mom or dad, like hunkering over. That led to many crazy stories. (laughs) But I feel like her and I grew closer because we were doing it together and sink or swim, like there we were. Uh, Yeah, like those are the only two things that really come to mind, but that's something my wife and I are still navigating. Well, when you figure it out, will you call me? Because I want to make sure my kids are 18, 16, 14, and 12. And We've been trying to uh, love them and encourage them and, and spend that time with them. Yeah. And you still wonder what mistakes are you making that you're not even aware you're doing right now? Sure, man. Honestly, not to get all churchy, but that's, that's where the God counterpart comes in for us. And I, we rely on him all the time. Just Lord, if we're doing anything wrong, please let us know <laughs> quickly. We don't want to scar these girls. <laughs> no, for sure. Not. Well, know that they can be healed even through that 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 scarring experience yes, right. of their that's parenting right. situation. You and I share a passion for baseball. Both of our baseball yes. careers ended before the St. Louis, Louis Cardinals drafted either one of us. <laughs> that's uh, right. Me for various reasons. <laughs> you because you were called away from the athletic field into music. Yeah. And that's dude, right. I, and when I was a kid and and you're 
15 years younger than I am almost. But when I was a kid, like music wasn't cool. It just yeah. was was not, it was almost frowned down upon for the music kids or the theater kids, the play kids. Yeah. I think it's so cool that you've ignored that and said, dude, I'm, I'm passionate about this. What was it about music that drew you in early in high school? Man, I believe that God just kind of downloaded that into me one day, that music was going to be it. Um, but besides that, I I knew what music had done for me. I just thought it was amazing that like a specific song would meet me at a specific time in my life. And it would just, it would bring so much clarity or so much hope. It, it was just amazing how that would happen even just with me. So I knew I wanted to do that for other people. At 14, 15, around that time, I was top gun pitcher in eighth grade for our school and loved pitching. But I just knew it's like, okay, I have a decision to make. I can't do both. And once high school starts in baseball, it, it demands your schedule. Yes. It just does. But I knew that wasn't the end goal. I remember sitting my dad down because he was so involved with us in general, but especially with me in baseball. I'm like, dad, I think, I think the baseball career is over, <laughs> you know, but I feel like I need to do music. So that meant the theater productions that meant the choir stuff that meant starting a band with my sister. And we did stuff at church and he's like, you know what? Like I will support you if you're passionate about that. All I ask is that you treat music the same way you treated baseball. I worked really hard at baseball. That was something else that my dad really instilled in both of us was work, work ethic. He said that, man, they're going to be people more talented than you, but that doesn't mean they have to outwork you. Mm. And that really stuck with me. So I still to this day, I'll stay late. I'll get there early. I'll be working on things behind the scenes that no one will ever see just because I want to do what I do well. And I think a lot of that came from dad. So in high school, junior year, a few of my friends and I started a band for a talent show. Come on. And if you want to really uh, rock, I recommend singing. I'm leaving on a, on a jet plane by the car. Oh, yeah. Come and on. see how that goes down in high school. So th th that was the talent play that we did. And we recognized about two minutes, 11 seconds after the words began singing that we'll never, ever, ever, ever do that again. Make that mistake again, man. That was a bridge too far for us. So I learned early in my career, this is not my career. This is not my gift, man. Figure out something else. When did Dude. you realize that this was a gift, that you had been anointed, that this was truly a talent that you could be used for good? Um, first of all, good on you for taking the leap. That's more than a lot of people can say in singing career. So that's my buddy, Alan Darkwoods and Kathleen Roy and Aaron Doherty and all these <laughs> other crazies I hung out with in high school. We just figured let's, let's have some fun. Oh yeah, let's do it. I love that. Honestly, for me, music wasn't on the radar. I was taking piano since I was like seven or eight years old, but at 13, I got a not so gentle push from my piano teacher we were doing a piano recital that night and he set up a microphone at the piano and he pulled me aside he said hey I think you need to sing as well and I'm like I'm a 13 year old boy going through puberty like whose idea was this or <laughs> did my mom put you up to this not a good idea but man I went out there and just caught a wind of courage and sang and that's the moment I knew it's like mm -hmm. wow this is this is something more than just something I do to appease my parents who put me in piano. I enjoyed it. But like I said, baseball was the focus. This is more than that. Um, there's something here that I can't fully put my finger on yet of what it is, but I know I want to be a part of it. And so like any young boy would, I prayed that baseball would still be the thing. <laughs> Held on to that for a couple more years, but at 15 got serious about music and I'm really glad that I did. But yeah, I was, 13. I was young. Mm. I mean, we could spend some time talking about you and your sister rocking out in the band. You started in high school. Oh, yeah. I think I'm just going to fast forward the tape a little bit to season 10. Yeah. This, from my understanding, this was not your idea. Skylar recognized that she had a gift. She thought you might have a little bit of a gift too. And why not yeah. try out for, for American Idol? Would you talk about that season 10 journey? American Idol in general was something that we watched as a family and loved the show. And I mean, we, we loved anything that had that extreme home makeover 
thing, right? There's just so much hope and so much positivity and stuff like that. And American Idol was no different. It was giving people like us opportunities to live out their dream. But my sister wanted to go. I had no intention of auditioning, no intention of doing the American Idol thing. I wanted to do it the typical, like start with the van and trailer, build your way up to the tour bus and do the thing. That was, that was what I had my sights on. But we went to support her. And as we were waiting outside Bridgestone Arena, Nashville, Tennessee, my sister looks at me and she goes, man, why would you spend all this time waiting and just not audition? She's like, what's the worst they could say? No. And, and I, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, I mean, I guess you're right. We're here. It would be a cool experience. Again, like I have no expectation of anything. What was actually so wild is I agreed we, that I would audition. We made it into the arena and they had like these 12 stanchions on the arena floor where groups of five or six people would go into each of these booths. One would step up at a time and sing. And you're hearing all these people sing. And it's like, holy cow, we have no business being here. Some of these yeah. people are so talented and they're not making it through. What is going on? So then it was my sister and I's turn. We didn't tell them we were related. So we each walked up, we each sang, and we each made it through separately. And then we told them that we were related and they thought that was the coolest thing ever. And the rest is history. But yeah, I really wasn't wanting to audition that first or second season. I'm well, sure think, we'll get there. <laughs> that's the crazy thing, man. Because as a former president once said, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame <laughs> on me. You know, so like, you get fooled into doing it this first season, season 10. You yeah. do well, but don't get all the way to the finish line. So right. you, you did your thing. You did your part and it's over. The ship has sailed. Yep. And then Skylar hears that they're coming back. And she's like, brother, we, we got to try one more time. Man, she, that was her season. You know, we, there was an understanding like, no, I'm good. Like, this is your time. You go do it. We were there as moral support. For when she got the golden ticket and we were the family outside cheering her on. Um, but that's when crazy happened. She went into audition and it wasn't a minute later. She pops her head back out and she goes, Hey, the judges want to see you. And I go, it felt like I was being called to the principal's office. It was like, yes. Oh no, what did I do? <laughs> so I walked in and immediately just started getting guilt trips on why I wasn't auditioning and the whole time I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I do not want to crash my sister's audition. That's the last thing I want to do. Her time to shine. I'm like looking over at my sister and then Randy is like, come on, dude, just sing a song. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to pick a safe song that I know. Um, Cause you have to think about, there's a certain list of songs that they can play certain songs. They can't play due to song rights and things like right. that. Um, so I'm like, all right, I'll pick a past American Idol contestant. Surely that's safe. So I sang a David Cook song, still remember it. And then we both made it through. But there was an opportunity at, right after that audition where I pulled my sister aside. I'm like, hey, if you don't want this, I will bow out. No questions asked. She sat back and she looked at me and I could tell she was considering. <laughs> but then she goes, you know what? I would much rather have you in Hollywood week with me than go at it by myself. And I think that just speaks into the relationship that we had and have. I love love stories. And usually people think that ends with the words I do on an altar somewhere sure. that not for me, it can, Yeah, that's a great yeah. moment too. And it can end with changing a diaper and that's a great moment too. Yeah. But a love story between siblings who uh, are for each other. Yeah. Like that, that's what you're witnessing on American Idol. It's so different. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And yet not both of you are going to win. That's for darn sure. You know that on the front side and eventually she bows out first. Sure. And then you still have to sing and you chose one of my favorite songs. So when I perform <clears throat> speaking events live, frequently I'll play yeah. songs from Coldplay in front of Come the audience. On. I don't have fingers, but through a mother's <laughs> love, this little boy yeah. can jam Coldplay and you too and Garth Brooks and just oh, about whatever my. else. But I love Coldplay and I love the song Fix You. Uh, one of my so you favorites. go out there and you sing your rendition of Fix You. Talk about why you chose that song and how hard it was to get through it. 
And I'm a big Coldplay fan as well. So we share that in common. But there's something so, what's the right word? Familiar about that song. Obviously, there's a nostalgia factor in it. But the the chorus of that song, lights will guide you home and ignite your bones. Uh, It's just like, man, like, even though you're not here physically with me anymore, like in the competition, I still know that you're going to do great things. And that was to me what that song meant in that moment. And just being honest, it sucked. (laughs) When she went home, it was not a good time. I was not a happy camper, but that opportunity to dedicate that to her, it was like, man, you're the reason I'm here in the first place. So this is the very least that I could do. And uh, I'm really thankful I got that opportunity to sing that song. And I don't know if Chris Martin is a, a faithful guy or not. I, I do know that the lyrics on that song and the majority of Coldplay songs strike me as being divine, like spirit led. Yeah. There is something spiritual about their songs. Have you ever been to a concert of theirs? I have. Man, I, I went for the first time last year. I was just taken aback by how spiritual of an experience it was. I wasn't expecting that. Growing up a faith guy, like we always think like, what is heaven going to be like? What is that going to look like? What is that going to sound like? And to have that stadium filled with people all singing the same melodies, you know, what they weren't even words. They were just O's or ah's or uh, it was, it was something out of this world that I will always remember. Uh, After Coldplay concerts, my body hurts for about three days because I jump up and down. (laughs) Usually next to my wife for three and a half hours, and then it's time to go home to our kids and our life again. But that moment of grace, man, it it is awesome. So you you have that in season 11. You ultimately don't end up winning everything, and it changed your life. In what way was your life different after season 11 than before? I think American Idol was what jump-started the calling that I had on my life. I think the calling started when I was 13, but that's when the gift was given. I had some work to do between 13 and 19 or 20. Some people, they think, oh man, like I've been given a gift. Like when is the door going to be open? It's like, man, like we also have a responsibility to work on that gift. Like, I don't think that God hands out a gift fully produced and fully ready for whether it's the limelight or whatever. I think we need to work on that. We need to prove that we'll be faithful with it. And uh, whether I realized that at the time or not, that was my high school career was going in and expanding my range and and learning how to play piano the way I can today. Um, So I'm so thankful for that season because it prepared me for that American Idol journey and everything that's happened after that. Talk about gifts for a moment, not not from your own perspective, but from our listeners and viewers. Some folks, I promise you, looking at your face right now or listening to our conversation are thinking, dude, I'm glad these guys found their gifts and are utilizing their talents. Uh, But I don't have them. I I don't have talents like like maybe you do. So, Colton, when you hear that from an audience member, from a listener, from a neighbor, maybe Mm -hmm. later on in life from a child, how do you respond? John, just being honest, it's hard for me to respond, not from what I know, which is um, which is Bible. I believe that God has plans for each and every one of us. He actually says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. And your gift looks way different than my gift. Even just in our brief encounter today, John, I, I know that you have communication skills out the wazoo. You're way better at communicating than I am. And you're you have people gifts as well. You make other people feel really good about themselves. (laughs) I appreciate that. But my gifting is reaching people through music. So music is just a tool that I get to use to do a similar thing, to inspire people, to give people hope. Someone else's gift may look completely different. Some gifts are celebrated in the world that we live in for whatever reason, but we all have the opportunity to leave people better than when we first encountered them, whether you're ordering a cup of coffee or whether you're going through the drive-through at McDonald's or you're saying hi to someone walking into a church, like we have an opportunity to deposit something good into mm-hmm. someone. Um, and man, I forget who originally quoted it, was on the road with another artist named Toby Mack. And he quoted someone who said, 
and you either give life or you take life. There's no neutral exchange. So you're either depositing something good into someone, or if you think that you're just skating by and you're being neutral, you're actually doing the opposite. You're actually taking something from them. After hearing that, it made me be more intentional. So gifting or not, I think that whenever you are actively seeking to better yourself and to better those around you, I think, I think it will become so obvious what your gift is because you're naturally going to use those things to do so. That is such a great answer. That was exactly like I wrote it this morning and sent it over to you and had you read uh, our <laughs> listeners and viewers. So just Come on. smack on the nail, man. Way, way, way to crush it down into the board. But, <laughs> but you're right. And, and either it is life-giving or it is life-taking. Every interaction, there is no neutral. Yeah. So referring to life-giving for a moment, a gift you did not have upon birth, but you've received subsequently. I, I want you to talk about Annie for a little bit. Oh my gosh. She's the best. Tell us who she is, first of all. Not everybody knows. Annie's my wife. She grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but we met when she was living in California, in Los Angeles. She is the reason that I'm half the man that I am today. She also grew up in church and we're like-minded in a lot of ways, but she also really expanded faith to me grew up in different denominations. There were some things that we didn't see eye to eye on at first. And I had to go to the Lord on and be like, all right, if this is real, if this is whatever, become real to me. And man, did he. I'm so thankful for her. She's also Wonder Woman at home. When I'm out on the road getting to sing songs and goof off, she's at home changing diapers and being the best example I could ever ask for for our girls. So I'm just, I'm so thankful for her. And besides being a mom and my wife, she also does music. She has so many things that she's passionate about, but I would say that young women is a big passion of hers, instilling confidence into them and identity into them. And I think just in our young generation, male or female, we both see a lack of identity and people searching for who they really are. I believe that, that God's got the answer there. So we're doing what we can to try and instill that confidence in the people. And she's just awesome. That could go on and on. Well, I'm going to make you for a moment. Re relationship is hard, man. Like that. when you are yes. eye to eye, arm in arm, walking forward with no distractions, it's complicated. Yeah. When you are on the road, as you are, when you're on a bright light, as you've experienced lately, as you're running as fast as you are, early mornings, late nights, and the adulation of the audience. And then you come home to a bride who is wiped out and exhausted and everything else that we deal with when we're the ones at home doing the work, the real work. What are the things that you do when you return home to make sure that you keep that relationship healthy and vibrantly alive? Yeah. Full transparency, still navigating, still figuring Ooh. out what the best things are. <clears throat> I think what it boils down to, John, is priorities, especially in the church. It's really easy to get priorities mismatched. But I think for us, we have an understanding that it's God first, it's family second, and it's ministry third. Man, it is really easy, really easy to get those last two mismatched. When you're out on the road, like I'm, I'm out on the road predominantly because I believe that God has called me there. And I have a calling to give hope to people, but you're right. When I come home and I'm exhausted because I've been pouring out for four shows straight, but what I have to realize is my wife has too. My wife has been pouring into people for three years straight to little people who don't always reciprocate. <laughs> so I know that at the end of the day, even if my wife and I have an argument or we don't see eye to eye on something, I know that the filter that she is looking through is she wants us to be better. She wants us to be our very best. There's a comfort in that. She's very loyal. So just the comfort of that, I don't always see it because I choose to give in to me being tired or me wanting to win an argument. Um, you never win an argument, by the way, ever. Um, but it's so comforting to know that, again, she's just wanting things to be at its very best. Mm. And that's what we both try to approach everything that we do in decisions for our girls, decisions for us, decisions to, Hey, we're going to go do date night. We're probably going to do date night tonight. 
being intentional with your spouse is so important. Again, it's something that we're navigating. Our lifestyle looks very different than your typical like nine to five guy goes to work or go girl goes to work, but we're thankful for technology. So thankful for FaceTime. I remember hearing stories of other guys I've toured with like, man, I remember getting off the tour bus at a gas station and going up to the pay phone. There would just be a line of guys calling their wives at home. I'm like, wow, I'm so thankful that we have this, that I can call in whenever she can call me whenever. And intentionality is kind of what I'm getting at. That's the biggest thing. Intentionality is important when you're traveling, when you're building, when you're living, yeah. when you're tr- striving to love, and maybe in particular when you're raising little ones. Yeah. You're raising two at the same time. What yeah. has your baby girl, Ava DeJore, taught you about life? Oh my gosh. Um, little do you, we call her by her middle name, which is the same for me. Um, my first name is Michael, actually. I've gone by my middle name my whole life. So we call little Ava Dior, Dior. And She's just the sweetest, but had a little bit of a rocky start. My wife's pregnancy was actually amazing. She went a little over a week past her due date with twins, which for all the women out there is like, holy cow, it's crazy. But I had to switch to an emergency C-section. And long story short, little Dior was out first and her body had just shut down from being in the birth canal for so long. So she wasn't breathing, had no pulse, just the whole nine yards not the way you want to meet your child for the first time. Man, just that moment, my wife and I chose to, again, put our faith into action. Um, we chose to believe God. We're so thankful, whether that was him touching little Dior directly or working through the doctors and nurses. She's happy, healthy. You'd never know there were any issues at the, at the start, which we're so grateful for, but it taught us how precious life yeah. is. Even just as it relates to faith, growing up in church and having situations where each of us separately had a decision to make like, okay, do we actually like put our money where our mouth is, you know, believe this stuff, or do we choose to give into fear little by little seeing God through come in, come through time and time again, prepared us for a moment like that, which is a big, like, ah, (laughs) what's going on. It's like, but I knew, I knew God to be faithful by that point. And I knew he would be faithful regardless of the outcome. Um, but we chose to believe that he would come through and, and we're so thankful and grateful that he did. I, I could spend an entire separate podcast talking about some of the music you've written. And maybe one day we will, maybe live next to each other. I, w- I would love that. I just want to ask on. you about a couple songs that I'm yeah. a big fan of, where they came from, what they meant to you. And maybe what they meant to the audience that you performed them for, maybe a, a specific note you received or a hug you got afterwards. Yeah. What about build a boat? Where does build a boat come from? What does it really mean? This song kind of has a crazy life story. That song was kind of already written, and I'll explain in a second, before we got our hands on it. Some guys in Sweden had written a song called Build a Boat and sounded kind of similar but was about like escaping the world. I know I felt that way at one point or another in these last three years. So they were writing that song, Let's Get Away. And I heard it and I go, wow, like what an opportunity to actually say the opposite. Every word you say is gonna come true. You will lead me to the promised land. Everything you say is gonna happen even though I haven't seen it yet. I will build a boat in the sand. We've all heard the Noah story. We know about Noah's Ark, whether that's because we read it in the Bible or we saw Evan Almighty to each his own. Um, but to me, what changed in my adult life was it went from being a very visual story to being a like a crazy faith story. You've got this guy named Noah. He's telling his family, he's telling everyone else, hey, God spoke to me. That would already be a full stop in today's culture. God spoke to me and told me that I needed to build an ark, like a really big ship, which they say took like almost a hundred years or something. I could only imagine the looks he got, the whispers. I mean, he was the village idiot, no doubt about it. But 
the Bible said that Noah was obedient and did everything exactly the way God commanded him to. And that challenged me. I, it made me think about my own life. And when God asked me to do something crazy, I want my response to be yes, just like Noah's was. Because again, just that faith journey, that relationship that I've had with the Lord, I've known him to be faithful. And I know that what he's trying to get to me, like that reward is better than anything that I'm going to have to walk through. That song was really an opportunity to tell that story of going, man, even though I haven't seen what the outcome is, even though what you're asking me to do might seem crazy, you know what? I, I would do this. I would build a boat, even in a desert place where, they, where it's never rained before. Even if they say X, Y, or Z, like I'm not scared because I know that you're good and you're faithful and what you're going to get to me far exceeds anything I got to walk through. That song has been, it's blown my mind how it has connected with people. But I honestly shouldn't be surprised because I think so many people coming out of the few years that we've had are in the desert place. They're in that waiting period. They're in that valley. And they're just, they're clinging on to anything that they can that's going to get them to the other side. And I just know from personal experience that God can be that person. I'm just really glad that, that song has resonated. Hmm. So good. So so grateful for your yes. I, I love how you frame that up. Yeah. I, I honestly could spend a lot of time asking about a litany of songs that have moved me. But lately I was talking to a friend who who believes in God, but doesn't believe in miracles. And to me, that seems counterintuitive to have a belief wow. in life and God yeah. and and all that comes with that, but not in miracles. Yeah. And so I've been challenging this friend of mine lately to keep their eyes and their heart open to them because I believe they're everywhere around us, including staring back at us in the mirror every morning. But you yeah. got to be looking for them and they're there. You wrote That's a song, right. Miracles. Talk about that. Man, I feel like you just summed it up better than I ever would. Miracles is its not about the big things, right? Like there are so many huge, all miracles are huge, but visually like big things, whether it's God parting the Red Sea or walking on water or raising someone from the dead, like all of these things are like spectacles, right? But we wanted to write a song, one that was fun, but two, like, what about like the everyday things that we so often take for granted that so many people would, would write off as coincidence or, oh, the stars aligned or whatever it was. And I'm like, man, no, I want to give credit where credit's due. Exactly how you said, like, I want to open my eyes and I want to be able to be expectant and see what God is doing all around me. And man, the fact that you and I both woke up this morning and have breath in our lungs is a miracle. The fact that I get to do music that provides food and shelter for my family, y'all, that is a miracle. <laughs> I can just say it's a miracle. You should have heard me sing at 13. I just, I'm constantly blown away by the miracles that happen around me every single day. And, and John, your story is unbelievable. Like I watched it with tears in my eyes yesterday because you are a miracle. Like what you were able to overcome because of Jack, because of your faith was truly inspiring. And to me, that's what gospel is. Obviously there's Jesus and everything that he did for us, but then it also says that we would overcome also by the word of our testimony right? So testimony is so powerful as well. So when you see something miraculous, when you experience something hard and you're able to overcome because of God, because of the faith that you have, you got to tell people because sometimes people need proof. Right. used to struggle with that verse, honestly, because I'm like my whole life, like I've been told that what Jesus did, like dying and coming back to life was like, that's all we needed. But then here's this verse that says there's there's something else. And I, I firmly believe it's because some people need proof. They need to see it with their own eyes, hear it with their own ears. And that's us. That's where we come in. You mm -hmm. know, so when we do experience something like that, it's exactly what you do. You go and you tell your story and inspire people and tell people to keep fighting. And man, I think that's it right there. Well, brother, you had, you had one other stage I want to talk about as we get ready to move to the it's not a finish line. It is a starting line today, but you had a fairly big stage back in October. I believe it was in Kansas city, 75,000 oh, attentive fans. So Ooh. I'm curious, as you got ready to sing the national anthem, were you more nervous about Arrowhead fan base 
the national audience tuning in or Taylor Swift observing from the rafters? Which of those three group buckets were you most concerned about somehow not inspiring? I'm going to preface all of this by saying, I don't think I've ever been that nervous in my entire life. Um, (laughs) That was, I was sweating in places I didn't know I could sweat. It was wild. We're rehearsing and I sing through it. But right before I go to test my in-ears and the echo, the echo is crazy. It'll throw anybody off. They said, by the way, it has to be exactly 90 seconds. I'm thinking, I've never timed this. Like, what do you mean it has to be 90 seconds? That's so specific. She's like, well, we're having the four jets fly over and the fireworks and everything just has to be timed outright. I'm like, okay. I'm like, is there any, like, if I'm going too slow, can you kind of like, she's like, oh yeah, we'll help you. We'll give you visual signals. I'm like, okay. So I think honestly, that was a blessing in disguise because I wasn't focused on anything else other than lyric and making sure I was coming in at 90 seconds. And what's so funny is I get to kind of that B section, like, and the rockets red glare. And I see her give me the speed up sign. So I ramp it up a notch a little bit, but then I see her kind of looking for the jets and I'm not hearing any jets. So then I slow back down. (laughs) It was a whole like push and pull thing. But I was not thinking about T-Swift. I wasn't thinking about 70,000, 80,000 fans. I wasn't thinking about it possibly being on TV. But I'm so thankful because, man, I was so nervous. That song, this sounds so un-American, but that song is not a fun song to sing. It is not an easy song. No, it is not. But, I'm again, I, I can't believe I was even asked to do it. So the, it, what an honor to do that. Before you and I went live, I said, man, what what do you hope people receive when you say yes to a podcast or you perform on a stage or you bump into them in a coffee shop? So now that we're recording and you've got permission to to just be honest, what do you hope people receive from your life story and from your message and from your voice? I want to leave people better than they were before we encountered each other. It goes back to you either give life or you take life. There's no neutral exchange. And I want to give life. I want to deposit hope into people. Whether we meet face-to-face, you come to a show, you press play on a song, on wherever you listen to music, I hope that my songs will equip you to take life by the horns and will instill confidence into you, identity into you, and hope into you. That's why I do what I do. I don't do Christian music for the money. I promise you that. But I so enjoy what I do, and it's it's more than just the feeling or the enjoyment. It's having a front row seat into what's going on in your life. You know, as I get to sing these songs with you and write these songs for you, um, that's why I do what I do. I, I also just want to take a second and say thanks for opening up your platform and your resources to allow us to have a conversation and not just spread the word about what I do, but share our stories in hopes that it inspires somebody. Well, I always think if you're trying to sell a song or a book, good luck on that. But if you're just being honest as a friend, uh, the thing you thought you needed to sell will take care of itself. And I think you were so vulnerable and so honest and open during this conversation that I know individuals who have not yet heard your name will be checking you out afterwards. And I'm excited about that because they should. We we have- Thank you. No, man, it's our pleasure. We we have seven questions that tether all of our guests together. They're called the Live right. Inspired Seven. So, brother, take a big old swig of that, uh, whatever you're sipping on right there. I Stay had there. my coffee already, so I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Question number one, what's been the most impactful book you've ever read? The Bible, but besides the Bible, there are two that come to mind. One is called The Bait of Satan. Scary title, but it's well worth the read by John. And it's all about like, man, the the enemy is roaming around like a lion. Just don't take the bait. And the second one is Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. That book, it is so good. And the, the main takeaway, if I could sum it up, is think about what you're thinking about. Like what you put in is what's going to come out. So be intentional about what you're meditating on. And holy cow has completely changed my life. 
what is one characteristic or trait that you possessed as a little boy growing up outside of Murfreesboro that you wish you exhibited as brilliantly today? I feel like I have matured this in a lot of ways, but there's still something about childlike faith, like just being able to trust without any hesitation or without any anxious thoughts or whatever, think about the outcome. When I was a kid, like whether it was with my parents or friends or whoever, if they said something, I had no doubt in my mind that that's just what it was going to be. Right. As you get older, you realize that's not always the case. And unfortunately that will shape and mold your view of trusting or faith in general. But, but man, there's something so sweet about a childlike faith. If your home caught fire, and all three of your baby girls, the one you married and the two you're raising are out safely. And you have an opportunity of running in and grabbing one item, one thing from the house. What would you grab? Wow. That is a great question. There are a couple of things that come to mind, John. One is probably what I should grab. And the other is probably some, something that I shouldn't, but would want to. <laughs> one would be the computer in my studio. It's backed up, but the backup is in the studio. So um, should grab that. What I would want to grab is my closet. <laughs> I, I am really into clothes and fragrance, actually. My guitar player's opening up a perfumery in Nashville, Tennessee, and we just love fragrance and clothes and love that culture. And there are a few pieces that come to mind that I would want to snag. Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, next but I should grab the computer. <laughs> I might need to swing by and borrow something. I've, I've been wearing the same plaid shirt since 1996. So at some point, I'm going to need to leave famous in bar and uh, go out and check out your closet and borrow something cool. Well, I got you if you ever want, but I will say you probably live more free than I do, not having to make as many decisions in that category. So good for you. I have three decisions to make each day. Should it be blue, checkered, or slightly <laughs> off red? And, and that's about it. So here that's we go. Fantastic. Number four. You have an opportunity of sitting on a bench on a gorgeous day, and you get to spend the entire afternoon with anybody living or deceased. Who would you like to be seated next to? My mind goes in a lot of directions. I'm not just saying this because I'm a church guy, but I'm really excited to meet Jesus one day. Like I really am. And... I think that would be quite an extravagant afternoon. <laughs> My grandfather went to be with Jesus a few years ago. That would be so cool to get to have an afternoon reminiscing and just to have another afternoon would be awesome. But if I could pick anyone alive, it would be my wife. That just, that sounds awesome. Just chilling and not having anywhere to be and just getting to talk about whatever. What's the best advice, Annie? or your grandfather, or Jesus, or anybody else ever gave you. So the best advice you've ever received is? Hard to trump Jesus in that category, I must say. <laughs> um, but man, something that you actually mentioned that my wife said that really came through was don't think of the curveballs or the hard moments as setbacks, but rather think of them as setups for what God's doing next. I think if we, myself included, if we approached life with that kind of expectancy, like mm -hmm. even when we get a no, or even when we get a door closed, keep your eyes peeled for what's about to happen because something's happening. Just because you can't see it yet doesn't mean something's not working. That really shifted a lot of things for us in 2020. If you could go back in time and provide a little bit of advice and wisdom to yourself at age 20, what would you say? Uh, skip the red leather pants. I was going to ask you if those things are in the closet, but I figured most of my listeners would have no clue what I'm talking about. Then it gets weird <laughs> yeah. and then maybe the Zoom hangs up on us and it's over <laughs> and it ends really funky. So yeah. I'm going to let you talk about the what red leather yeah. pants, man. For, for context, um, I did a song by Lady Gaga. I think it was the song that it was like the last week I was there. I don't think the Christian fan base liked that decision too much and, and I get it. But I wore like these red leather pants and this crazy like Tim Burton looking jacket, like it was a lot going on. So the running joke, it's kind of my way of saying I would probably reconsider song choice, but I would skip the red leather pants. <laughs> Colton Dixon, it has been said that all great people can have their lives summed up in one sentence. How would you like yours to read? 
well done, my good and faithful servant. That's it. Father, songwriter, producer, husband, son, red leather pant wearer, and a friend <laughs> of many, man. I, I appreciate you for living out your faith, not just in your words and in your songs, but through your life. It's been a pleasure sitting down next to you. Man, likewise, John, for real. Such an honor. Thank you. My friends, that is Colton Dixon. My name is John O'Leary. Today is your day. What a gift. Live inspired. Do you ever get nostalgic when the calendar hits December? The winter holidays wouldn't be the same if you and I were not together. I count down the seconds every minute every day that I'm away. my friends if you have somehow got into this point in our friendship and have not yet noticed let me tell you this i love bringing on musicians i love music and colton dixon shared a quote that encapsulates why he said this music is a tool that i get to use to inspire people and to get people again to hope and that's exactly what he's doing. If you enjoyed this episode, let me tell you about another one that I think you will absolutely fall in love with because you're going to fall in love with the guy who joins us for the episode. His name is Father Ray Kelly, affectionately known as the Singing Irish Priest. Father Ray Kelly became a worldwide sensation. The video of him singing a touching rendition of Hallelujah went viral with more than 80 million views. With an astonishing ability to connect with others through his remarkable singing voice, Father Ray joins us to share his fascinating journey from parish priest to Britain's Got Talent back into not only his parish, but into ultimately our lives afterwards. Don't miss the early Christmas blessing that is sure to delight you and your family. You can check it out, Father Ray Kelly, by listening in at episode 420. Or you can let your fingers do the walking for you right now by visiting me at johnolearyinspires.com forward slash podcast. And we'll have a link right there for Father Ray Kelly. My friends, I want to thank you for tuning in this time and let you know until next time. My name is John O'Leary. The foundation is firm. The headwind is indeed real. And yet the best is yet to come. You know that Keeley Companies is all about fostering the world-class culture through their incredible cultural pillars. Well, it was time to add a seventh cultural pillar, Keeley Green. Guided by the mission to raise the sustainability standards by which they design, build, operate, and live, Keeley Green is dedicated to using a holistic approach to leave a positive impact on our environment, create a future that is sustainable for generations to come. In the words of Rusty Keeley, we are just getting started. You can learn more about that just getting started mentality and all the work they do by visiting my friends at Keeley Companies online at Keeley companies.com.